welcome. This is Sports Fellowship with Fox and Frank. I'm Frank Knight. And I'm not Dan Fox. I'm Brandon Mazzie. Yeah, so Dan has taken the week off this week from our podcast, and we've got Brandon here with us tonight. We're blessed to have him here. Also, our intrepid sound man, as Dan always says, Rich Vassallo. <laughs> or, or like he says, what he says, he likes to push the buttons, and you say, yeah, he pushes buttons. He pushes those buttons. <laughs> he likes buttons, bigger ones than smaller yes, ones. Yes, we but... are Danless tonight. Dan was intending to head down to Virginia, and uh, just to note that uh, Dan had a family emergency occur, so he didn't end up going there. So we want to keep Dan in prayer for those of us who um, pray for others. We'll keep that in mind. We miss you, Dan. Yeah. And uh, this is the first time I think I've done the podcast without Dan at all. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. And gl- grateful that Brandon was here because I didn't really didn't want to go solo tonight. But we are here to talk about sports as we always do. And I'm not going to go Dan here and tell you what our blueprint is. He doesn't say blueprint. But yeah, the roadmap. But uh, I will. I will just say that we are going to talk a bit, a little bit of baseball, and uh, of course uh, NFL, and that's pretty much where we're going to go with this with this podcast tonight. And it might be a little shorter than normal. We hope that uh, you folks enjoy it. So I'm going to jump right in and just ask Brandon, how you doing tonight? I'm doing well, Frank. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, Dan, Dan, and uh, Brandon are both teachers. How's the teaching business going right now? Uh, it's going well. I'm, my kids are doing pretty well. I have no complaints. I'm sure Dan doesn't as well. And uh seems like we have a pretty good show lined up tonight. We can cover anything and everything, and we'll see where we go here. Yeah. Yeah, I think we'll jump in and just start talking about the uh, World Series, which is currently going on. We have two games completed in the World Series and one that's going on as we speak. So we have the Houston Astros and who else? The Atlanta Braves. The Braves are in the World Series for the first time in, I believe it's 21 years. Uh, 99 was the last time they were there. So what, how many years is that, Brandon? Do your math. For a math, math teacher, that's 22 years. Oh, 22 99 years. to 21, that's 22. Yeah, I believe that's the last time they were even in the World Series. And we have a 1-1 tie at the moment. And the series has shifted over now to, to Atlanta. And are they playing right now, Brandon? Because I know that there was a threat of rain, as there is here. Uh, it's supposed to start in 15 minutes, but I haven't gotten notice of a rain delay yet. The one thing that I did like about tonight that I thought was intriguing is that both pitchers that are throwing tonight have no experience against any of the hitters in any lineup. So both lineups will be facing pitchers for the first time. That's like a true old-fashioned World Series when uh, there was a day when, for those of you who are not aware... American League and National League didn't play each other back in the day, and so that would have been the case typically in a World Series. So, yeah, that is an interesting fact. And usually when that happens, the advantage goes to the pitcher. How do you feel about how the first two games went, Brandon, Uh, since you really like to talk baseball and analyze uh, baseball statistics and so on? Both games, I'll just uh, summarize, both games were more or less blowouts, kind of over middle of the game. And, um, you know, uh, first Atlanta won the opener, and then Houston came back and did the exact same thing to Atlanta, uh, scoring quite a few runs and, and having a lead pretty much throughout the game. So what is your take on the, after, the, after two games of the World Series? Um, it's kind of went pretty expected. I mean, you, you always go with pitching and bullpen in the World Series, and I think 
the Braves won the first game because they had the better starter going in the first game, and the Astros had the better starter going in the second game. Both teams are playing well. I think the Astros have more talent, but I think the Braves were a hotter team going in. So I expect it to be a close series. And so far, I mean, 1-1 has been close. One team won big one game. The other team came back and won big the next game. Tonight's kind of intriguing because it's kind of an even pitching matchup, and nobody's even seen both of these guys in both lineups. So tonight's kind of a toss of a 50-50. So I'm yeah. kind of excited to see uh, what's going to happen here when we get done with the podcast and how this game's going to go. Well, one thing I do know looking at the two teams is the Astros have kind of a murderer's row lineup, right? The Astros, it seems like, always are always in a game that can always pile up runs, whereas I don't really see the Braves as that type of team. The Braves are more of a um, fundamentally strong team that can build runs. They have clutch hitters in their lineup, and they don't even have uh, who was their best player because of an injury earlier in the year. And Do you feel like the Braves can keep up with the Astros in general? Uh, I do just because with the murderer's row, Alex Bregman's been struggling pretty bad in the postseason. And I know they came and they asked him in the interviews after the game, especially when they won game two, Mm -hmm. you know, how are you working through your struggles? He's like, I'm just battling and, you know, doing his normal things. Like, because in baseball, you're going to have your slumps, you're going to have your highs, you're going to have your lows. And right now he's kind of on a low, so the murderer's row isn't kind of fully intact with him struggling right in the middle of their lineup. So right now is kind of the Braves' chance. If he kind of gets hot and finds a stroke, then yeah, then Monroe is going to take over, and I think the Astros have a really good shot. So I think the Braves kind of want to take advantage within this game or the next game, especially while they're home, to get a lead. If they don't, then I think the Astros are going to take the series. So you think a home field is an important aspect of the series? Uh, For for these teams, yes, because both, both cities are baseball towns. Both cities have a good falling for baseball. The Braves have always have a good turnout. Just because, especially in the 90s and the beginning of the 1000s there, they were good. They were division champs for X amount of years. So um, they, built, they built a pretty good falling because our Mets and Phillies yeah, were bad. I was going to say, so. as Mets fans, we can relate to the Atlanta Braves in the 90s winning 10 and maybe late 80s into the 90s winning 10 consecutive division titles. And I used to go to um, bed having nightmares of the Atlanta Braves chop in my head whenever I would see yeah, a game with them, exactly. especially in Atlanta. And Astros, of course, since they're recently been in the World Series, what, three out of the last five years, so they have a good following as well. So yeah. both teams, I think, have a good home field advantage. So we'll see how it goes. One thing I find interesting about the Astros is all the controversy about the cheating, stealing the signs, and so on. People want to take away from their championships or their one championship and the other appearance uh, by saying, well, they stole signs and so on. Now, I'm assuming they're not doing that, at least with technology now, but here they are right back in the World Series. What does that say? And another thing I think, too, before I ask you, is the Astros have pretty much kept this team pretty much intact, maybe uh, save for the pitching. Uh, but the lineup, it's a lot of familiar faces for, the le- for this run that they've had, which, se- which it seems to me is a little unusual in today's game. It is, and I think a lot of that's a credit to the front office, which I hope that our beloved Mets here find somebody that can actually go through and do that. Because as we see, we especially just for us as Mets fans, we see the turnover and the guys that they sign are mediocre guys that are there for a year or two, and then they're gone. Yeah. For the Astros, you're able to develop that type of relationship with the players that you have because you've been there for four or five years, and now you're in a third World Series in five years, so you have the experience, you know what to expect. You know the pressure that comes with it. So you kind of have an advantage over another team that's going to be in that spot. Right. It's funny, watching the playoffs in general, the Dodgers have um, uh, Turner, Justin Turner, right, playing third base. Uh, now, he did get hurt in the series, but Justin Turner was a key guy in their previous championship. 
and uh, the Braves have uh, Travis Darnell. And both of those guys are former Mets that were marginal players when we were on the team. And you talk about management and stuff, and I'm thinking how you know these guys were developed over time into pretty good ball players. So I just found that kind of interesting to see these ex-Mets uh, being an integral part of their team. And another thing you have to look at, too, is when both of those players were with the Mets, they were very injury-riddled. And if you look at the Mets now, especially with the Grom and everybody and all their other kind of marquee players, yeah, they're very injury-riddled. So there's something going on, I think, behind the scenes with training or with the way that they take care of players that might be a little bit questionable. But then again, you know, I'm not there and see what yeah, they do. But who knows, right? If you go to another I team and Darnell, they're not hurt. I remember Darno was hurt a lot. I didn't remember Turner was. And Turner was only a utility player for the Mets when he was on their team. Correct. But somebody taught him something with his swing, and he became a prolific power hitter and just a hitter in general. So just kind of interesting. Now, one point about this series is the Braves lost their opening game starting pitcher during the game. Uh, how do you think that affects the Braves? I don't know if it affects as far as their game plan. I affect. I think it affects as far as bullpen usage, depending on how they deploy their guys. I mean, if it's a close game, obviously you're going to use your top guys, and then you worry about wear and tear depending on how many games you're going to play in a row. Yeah. But, I mean, if you have your long-term guy and he comes in, he burns up four, four innings, even a little bit four-plus, maybe even five, and you get through the game, then I don't think it's that big of a deal because you didn't use your top two or three guns. I got you. So it all depends on usage of guys and how correctly the managers deploy their top guys when they need them first baseman freeman for the braves is a player i really like a lot and a key player in the series Uh, for the um braves to win the series i would assume he's gonna have to be an integral part of that so we'll see how he's been playing pretty well uh so far and uh, he you know he started slow in the nlcs and then really came on so I like Freeman a lot. I'd love to have him on the Mets, even though we already have a pretty good first baseman. So, but uh, well, yeah, I'm looking forward to the rest of the series. My pick was Astros in five. I wasn't as uh, confident as you were that it would be a competitive series, but the Braves, they really do have a lot of resiliency and heart, as it appears. So I don't think that that, that prediction will Yeah, and they came in as the hottest team. So I mean, yeah. when you have that, I mean, you're, you're never going to count anybody yeah, out. Yeah, they beat a pretty good team in the Dodgers to get to the World Series. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how that series unrolls. So, uh, you know, hockey and basketball have started up, but um, I don't have a whole lot of interest in talking about that tonight. Uh, I do know that uh, my Rangers are hanging in there in the middle, and we always talk about the Rangers and Flyers. Flyers are just above them. I'm not sure where your interest is with hockey, Brandon. Do you have much? Um, Hockey, I don't have too much interest, but for NBA, for our local teams, yeah. the Knicks are four and one to start. So right? How about that? If you're a Knicks fan, you're pretty happy. I mean, as, I'm as fair weather. Week. Fair weather with basketball, but I'm happy that if I was, you know, going to watch it, it would be the Knicks, and to see that they're four and one is surprising. But it, you know, I guess I find some joy in it, even though I don't really enjoy basketball a whole lot, especially lately. Um, so, any other thoughts on the NBA? Uh, no, I'm a Lakers fan, so it's going to take their third team a little bit to gel with adding Westbrook and a different yeah. type of offense and LeBron James going down. So I'm not surprised that they're struggling to start. So we'll see how – I think the NBA, you kind of take the first week or two with kind of a grain of salt because everybody's trying to figure out, especially after last year and everything else. So I won't really dive into the NBA until we get a couple weeks to a month in. Is James out for any significant time? Uh, they said he's day-to-day, so it could be a few games to a week. I heard uh, some of the uh, – at least one program talking about the dynamic with um, 
Westbrook and uh, LeBron James and saying that Westbrook might just be a really good fit with a guy like LeBron James because Westbrook is willing to take the ball and kind of um, take control. And um, because LeBron has a, can, is very versatile in what he can do, he can you know, become a point guard if he wants to. He can you know, play a little defense if he decides to and so on. So do you think that Westbrook is like the perfect fit with uh, LeBron? That's kind of yet to be determined. When they were together, Westbrook's numbers were down. But if you look at the last two games when LeBron James was out, Westbrook had over 30 points. He almost averaged a triple-double, so he was kind of the old Russell Westbrook because he was given free reign to kind of dominate the ball and do what he wanted to do with it, whereas if LeBron James is there, he kind of has to kind of play a second fiddle, and LeBron James is the okay. dominant ball carrier. It's, it also depends on how their coach is going to deploy him, if they're going to be in together both times, if they're going to give LeBron a rest and let Russell run the point a little bit. And vice versa. So it's kind of a touch and feel thing. It's a little bit yet to be determined depending on how they're feeling it out. So that's why I kind of said I don't take a grain of salt with the first couple of weeks as coaches kind of mess with their rotations. So I kind of wait till around Thanksgiving to kind of be like, all right, this team looks good and they know what the rotation is or this team hasn't figured it out, so they might not figure it out. So the first couple of weeks, I kind of be like, all right, these guys are just trying to figure out what rotation they're going to use for the rest of the year. Do you like the – I know you're a fan, but do you like the Lakers to be the favorite in – in the Western Conference? Or is it hard to say? As of right now, it's hard to say. You would think talent-wise they would, but, I mean, look at baseball, where the Dodgers had the most talent in the NL and they're not in the World Series. So it's kind of hard to just go based on talent. You would think that they would be there in the end. Like, yes, I would say I would put almost a guarantee they would make the playoffs, but would they be in the end? Eh, It's up for debate yet. What about age? They're an older team, right, the Lakers? You would, yes, they're a little bit older, yeah, with, with with LeBron being up in the age and Westbrook, I guess, in his early 30s. I mean, I don't know if it's – I mean, you, you with these guys, especially the guys they have now because they're proven, they're proven winners and proven veterans, I think they kind of know how to take care of their bodies. So sure. if, they, if they need to take a day off, they would say – And they, they would, do that. Yeah, and they would take a day off We've anyway. We've talked so. about that before. How, um, it seems like people get agitated. You go to a game to see a team and uh, the star takes a day off, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, and even LeBron, the, LeBron came out and said he doesn't want any – minutes restriction because it kind of messes with his flow and his tempo of the game. So yeah. I don't I don't think it has as much of a difference as you would think. Some people kind of make it play out to be. And maybe for an older group, it might be more injury-riddled if they're playing more minutes, but I don't think it's going to affect any type of kind of performance, you would per se, since the guys gotcha. are kind of proven players. Okay. <clears throat> so what about the Nets? I want to ask that too. Uh, the Nets were an interesting uh, team last year with the three stars, and they couldn't keep them all on the court at the same time. What are your expectations out of the Nets? Have you thought about that? Do you have any? Um, well, they, the whole thing kind of stems with Kyrie with the whole COVID, and is he going to play? Is he not going to play? Is he playing half the time? Is he not playing half the time? I mean, they have a top three player in Kevin Durant, so they're still going to be competitive the entire year. Yeah. And they have a couple role players that will support them. So I think they're still going to be competitive and they're still going to be in the playoff hunt. That's not a question. But are they going to be a top team? It all depends on whatever happens with Kyrie Irving and the saga that's going on there. Yeah, he refuses to get the shot uh, at the moment. And uh, as, as of now, since he plays in New York, there's like no chance that they'll let him play, at least at home. And he'll always be in the media about it and always be a front and center type of ideal. Yeah. Even though I don't I don't have an issue either way with whatever his decision is. Right. But. Yeah, okay. Okay, so yeah, we're going to switch gears now and talk about the NFL. We'll start with last night's game. Thursday night football pitted the Green Bay Packers in Arizona in the desert. And uh, the um, Packers 
end up winning the game 24-21, kind of a thriller, came down to the last, um, the very last play, basically, where Arizona was at the goal line, ready to score, and a pass was thrown by Kyler Murray that was intercepted. Your thoughts on last night's game? I thought the Packers did a great job, especially with the roster that they had and the amount of injuries they had, to pull out that W. They came in and they looked like they were they had the more adversity, they were the more focused, and they wanted the game more. Um, I don't know what AJ Game was doing, and I don't know if they I didn't see any interviews after what they asked him. It looked like he was almost blocking downfield, like it was supposed to be a swing pass. Exactly. That's that's the final play I mentioned. But as far as the Green Bay Packers, they 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 had a great plan. They came in, they executed. It. I mean, if you look at it. I mean, Rodgers, there was nothing really downfield. Rodgers had 37 attempts for only 184 yards. Mm-hmm. So, and that's not Rodgers-esque if we've, we've seen Rodgers for the past decade and a half or so. But he did throw two touchdowns to Cobb. He did, and one was off of a turnover, off another Kyler Murray interception. Yep. And the running backs combined for, I think, 31 carries, and they split them equally. One had 15, 16, Austin Dillon had 16, and Aaron Jones had 15. Plus, the backs had seven catches out of the backfield. So they definitely were leaning on their running backs and managing the clock and keeping the ball away from Kyler Murray. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Aaron Jones led all the receivers for the Packers with 51 uh, yards and seven receptions. And uh, Robert Tanyan, uh, that's something for Green Bay that's worth talking about is during the game, their tight end, Tanyan. Now, they have more than one tight end, but Tanyan seems like the top guy. He's... He hurt his knee, and he's out for the season. Uh, so it's be interesting to see how that affects uh, Green Bay's offense, especially if they continue to have these injuries to their offensive players. Yeah, and they don't, and their receivers don't pass COVID protocol too. So it'll be remain to see what happens next week with their offense. And if you look at it for yardage wise, I think it was almost exactly even. I think it was three thirty five to three thirty four. But the key with the Packers for last night is they had a game plan of we're going to keep the ball. We're going to move it sporadically down the field, keep Kyler Murray off the field, and we're going to put up points. And that's what they did because the time of possession was 37 to 22, so it was right. almost time and a half. Well, what I think is interesting about that is pretty much everybody knew that that would be Green Bay's approach, and so they had to figure so did the Cardinals. But they couldn't seem to overcome that, and they were sluggish through a lot of the game. Now, sometimes you just got to give the other team credit. You know, maybe Green Bay was, you know, they were getting pressure on Murray. I noticed that. And if you get pressure on him and don't allow him to get out of the pocket, like a lot of running quarterbacks, you can definitely frustrate them and you know put a quell on what they do best. So and Murray, towards the end of the game, started running more, started finding those holes and using his legs, and the game got a lot more exciting. So you know, in my opinion, Arizona should have actually won the game uh, because, uh, or at least had a really good chance to win it because the last play. He throws to A.J. Green, and as you mentioned, A.J. Green's got his back turned for some reason, didn't know the play or whatever the case may be. It almost looked like he went for a pick play or a block, like it was going to be a swing pass. Yeah, and the ball was intercepted, so that ended the game. But uh, kudos to the Packers. They won a game that would have been hard for them to win. I really didn't even expect them to be in the game. I thought they were pretty much going to get blown out. In fact, I didn't start Aaron Rodgers in my fantasy league. I started, I'm starting um, Matt Ryan instead. And Nor did I. I'm starting Stafford instead of Rodgers. Right, and Rodgers' numbers were down, but he had a decent night considering everything. One thing, J.J. Watt was out for the Cardinals, which definitely hurt them. Another thing is um, their best receiver, Hopkins, got hurt during the game and was just in as a decoy when he was in there. So 
I think that's a big factor in why the Cardinals were struggling to move the ball. I mean, losing your best wide receiver doesn't help. No, but they also have a good group, I think, with Rondell Moore coming on, and they have A.J. Green, and they also have Christian Kirk. I mean, they still have a good variety of receivers that they could deploy and get plays out of. I just think that it took them a while to kind of overcome what Green Bay was doing because they knew what they were, it was like you said, they knew what was going to happen. And the fact was that Green Bay was just executing better yeah. on the offensive side of the ball and keeping the ball away from them. And turnovers definitely hurt in the long run for the <laughs> yeah. Cardinals. And so. they just never got in the rhythm, so they didn't get in the rhythm until, like you said, the fourth quarter when the NFL comes into their favorite prevent defense and all of a sudden everything kind of break out and then all of a sudden we had kind of a fireworks show in the, in the second half. Yeah, so true. I mean, the um, they're both 7-1. and one. So to sit here and say that the Cardinals went into the game undefeated, right? And uh, for them to, they were the favorite team and with all the injuries to Green Bay. But these teams, it seems like they're pretty close. Uh, the Cardinals are in, are in a tougher division. Uh, although, you know, Green Bay is in same division with, uh, um, well, Minnesota. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if they're, they're in a real tough division, Green Bay. But what I would think is, and here's a kind of a question to kind of pose to you here to kind of take, a, take and run with. Of the NFC teams, we have four teams that have one loss. How do you put one ahead of the other right now? I mean, we have the Cardinals, we have the Rams, we have the Cowboys, and we have the Packers. How do we distinguish who's right now, as the ESPN NFL like to say, power-ranked, one through four in those yeah, groups. Yeah, it's a tough call. And and then the Cowboys right now have a quarterback, Dak Prescott, who is nursing a calf injury, which could be something that could plague him for a while. And, you know, the Cowboys without Dak Prescott are just not a competitor. So, and, I, and we have Arizona now with no J.J. Watt, maybe no Hopkins. Yeah. The Rams now won't have Andrew Whitworth, the best wants of lineman. They have Sebastian Joseph Day, their defensive tackle, who's out, and they're trying to trade Deshaun Jackson because they mutually agreed to part ways. So we have kind of a whole bunch of scenarios going on with each team that could be an issue going forward. I do like the Rams a lot, um, primarily because I feel like they seriously upgraded a quarterback, and they already have a tremendous defense. So, I mean, to me, the Rams are the class of the AFC, NFC West. I mean, that's my feeling. Was my feeling going in? I still feel it. So we'll see. And I picked San Francisco last in the division. I'm wondering what's wrong with them. Uh, even though I did pick them last, they don't seem very good at all. No, and uh, I think we can get into that when we talk yeah, about we them will. in the in the next week. But I think that has a lot to do with Jimmy G and a lot of things that people came out and said about him. So yep. we'll get to that. Yeah, there seems to be some internal stuff. All right. So that's Thursday Night Football, and now we are going to transition. And now Dan would say, when we transition, I turn it over to my friend Frank. So I'm not going to say that. I'm just going to turn it over to myself. <laughs> here's, here's Frank. Yeah, here's what we got. Fox Alarms. We want to talk about Fox Alarms. We hold this podcast here at the Fox Alarms warehouse. We have this palatial studio and i really miss dan and his ability to take his arms and spread them from his face all the way out to the sides and as i say palatial from wall to wall yeah from wall to wall uh the palatial studio that they set up for us here what we want you to know is fox alarms they do burglar alarms and fire alarms and you want to protect yourself against theft against fire and so to do so you want to give Fox Alarms, who are prevalent here in the Lehigh Valley. So if you're listening and you're in the Lehigh Valley, 
go to www.foxbrothersalarms.com, www.foxbrothersalarms.com. You can go on that site and you'll see all that Fox Alarms does. They do, you know, the burglar and fire alarms, but they also do entry alarms and things of that nature. So to protect yourself, go to that site. They've been doing this for 49 years. Uh, I always say that you drive around the Lehigh Valley and you see their signs everywhere, Fox Brothers signs. So a lot of people have invested in this company and it's a good solid way to protect yourself. Now, if you don't, you're not the internet type or whatever, you can just call them. You can go to 1-800-FOX-BROS, 1-800-FOX-BROS. And when you do so, you want to ask for Dan's brother, Mark. And you can speak to Mark and they'll set you up, sit you down and you can set yourself up with a great protective burglar alarm system or fire alarm system. We also want to let you know, want to let you know that we have a email. And the email for this uh, podcast is sportswithfoxandfrank at gmail.com. Sportswithfoxandfrank at gmail.com. There, you can leave us a message. Uh, let us know what you think of the podcast. Uh, maybe just chime in with some questions or possibly... Uh, comments you know that let us know what we could do better so um i wanted to ask rich do we have any emails this week yes we do we do that's interesting so um how many do we have um we have if i last counted one email really yeah mm, i thought it was two but okay yeah, you say one, one. while rich is bringing that up i'd like to also a uh, shout out to our students that watch this podcast from from me and dan they so watch like, it they do. Like I know Jacob Kelko will give him a shout out. He watches it, and if How he do has they any, watch it. It's and if he, has, a... uh, he listens to it, watches oh, it, listens. Okay, it's kind okay. of the same ordeal. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> potato, potato, tomato, tomato. Right. <laughs> so, but if you guys have any questions or want us to talk about anything, please feel free to send an email to Sports Fellowship at Fox and Frank. Okay. Perfect. Yeah, we like these uh, people who continually listen to the, the podcast. We like everybody who listens to it once too. But uh, you know, perpetual listeners—that's a good thing for us. Because we enjoy doing it. So, uh, actually, I'm being a little coy because I knew that we had emails and Rich forwarded them to my phone. So, let me uh, just start out with, uh, with this one. Um, here it is. You ready, Brandon? Because there's questions in here. Sounds good. So, it says, hello, long-time listener, first-time emailer. So, I'll start out with this. I was just wondering about a few things. One, let's just answer the question and move to the next one. What is wrong with the Chiefs? Are they regressing to the mean, or are they really not as good as we thought they were? So what do you think is wrong with the Chiefs, and are they regressing, and what's your feeling on the Chiefs, Brandon? What's wrong with the Chiefs is that they are regressing, and they're not getting the benefit of the bounce of that little oval-shaped football. If you look before, um, Patrick Mahomes was able to get away with 17 interceptions of balls that were tipped or that should have been intercepted last year. This year, I don't think he's gotten away with very many. Yeah. That's why he has a lot of turnovers. So I think a little bit's kind of luck kind of eating itself out. And also, their offensive line is not very good. They made a lot of changes. I don't think they gelled very well yet. Will they? Maybe. I mean, for Patrick Mahomes' safety and... All concerned, hopefully they do, but um, as of right now and from what I've seen from the last week or two, I don't see it happening. Their defense is also very leaky. I don't see them kind of coming up with a big stop when they need to. They didn't in the last two games. That's kind of why they're sitting at 
what are they, three and four right now, maybe? I'm not sure. They totally, are but, three and four. But, I mean, as far as, and what is that little saying called? That The record says what you are. You are so, what your record says you are. Yep, and I think right no now they're sales. an average team, so. Yeah, it does seem like that. Now, I, got, I have a question about that, uh, your opinion on it. Do you think that maybe uh, what happened last year in the Super Bowl with Tampa Bay was a blueprint that teams are using? Or do you think that that's maybe fallacy because not every team can play on a certain level? Um, I think it's uh, it's kind of a half-and-half half situation because if you look at the Rams, when they played the Patriots, everybody said that was the blueprint of golf, Goff's fall. I think Goff was always flawed to a certain point, and that's why McVay wanted to go out and get Stafford. I mean, if he wasn't, why, why, why trade so many picks plus a, plus a guy you drafted first overall for? So I think to a degree, and maybe a schematic standpoint, yes, to a degree. But as far as... What the Chiefs' problem was last year in the Super Bowl was their offensive line. Mahomes was running for his life. And it's, from mm-hmm. what I saw, I, me and Dan actually watched the game together last week when they played uh, Buffalo, and I saw the same thing. He was running for his life. So I think still the issue is just the offensive line. And the defense was never very good, but they were always reliant on that great offense to put points on the board. So they kind of got away with it. Now they're not able to get away with it because the offense can't produce at the same level as it did. So now we're signing a scene of what we call that regression line. I feel like the Chiefs haven't been able to run the ball very effectively for a while now. And I, I think that you need that running game to balance out what they do so dynamic on offense. There's no real threat of a running game. Then teams are kind of keying in to try and stop uh, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. And Tyreek Hill has been a non-factor for a while now. Such a dynamic player, and it seems like um, Mahomes just isn't getting him the ball deep anymore. So I feel like teams are taking that away. And uh, that's a big factor in stopping Kansas City. So I think all those things you said are true, though. And it's nice if you can get pressure with the front four because our line's a little beat up. You can drop six, seven into that secondary, and that definitely helps with passing with the ball deep. And combine that with them not playing very solid defense, and you've got a problem. Yeah, and like you said, they're they're not very reliant on the run, so you don't have to really play the run. So you can send your linebackers a little bit deeper than normal, and all of a sudden you can't get that ball down the field as quick as you like. I just feel like uh, maybe Andy Reid will figure this out, you know. And uh, but uh, he has a tendency to let his players play, so you know I don't think he'll panic and start putting you know uh, restrictions on Mahomes. But uh, they better do something soon, or they're not going to be in the playoffs, which would be amazing because they were a lot of people's favorite to be in the Super Bowl again. So we'll see what happens with them. Then it goes on to ask, number two, if Lamar Jackson was so good the week before when he led the comeback against the Colts, why, has he, why was he so pedestrian and unable to really do anything this past Sunday against the Bengals at home? So what do you feel about uh, Baltimore and Lamar Jackson? I think kind of the same thing I've thought the last couple of years. They're just inconsistent. Kind of the same way with his play. They kind of go with his play. If he's able to get the ball down the field and he's able to run with his legs, if he's able to do one of the two, they're a little bit iffy. If he's able to do both, they're, they look like a higher-level team that should be right there at the end with yeah. up with the Chiefs. But as far as his play goes, he's very inconsistent. Um, I don't have a, I'm not a pro or a con Lamar Jackson fan. I kind of go with what I see, and I just see he's just very inconsistent with throwing the ball. You know, he did look really dynamic in the Colts game, and they have a pretty good defense. What he was doing in that game, surprisingly to me, was he was completing a lot of passes, especially mid-range passes, and killing the Colts with that. 
uh, although the game was close. Um, it wasn't like uh, they blew the Colts out. Uh, so I, I'm not sh- it, I will say this about Lamar Jackson. He has had a couple pretty solid seasons, but when it gets to the playoffs, teams have been able to keep him from running all over creation, and that was their Achilles heel. So um, it seems like he's definitely stoppable. But he also can be amazingly dynamic, so I'm not sure exactly whether he can, whether he's really the guy that can carry a team all the way to a championship. He can carry them to a certain point, but I think defenses figure these things out in the playoffs. Playoffs defense is much more prevalent, so. Um, and I think some of that comes on your offensive scheme per per week too. Sometimes a little bit more run heavy. Other times they're more play action heavy. Other times they're more run heavy on him escaping the pocket and making plays off whatever the defense decides to do or anything that's off schedule. So kind of the schematic thing kind of limits him a little bit too, just because he's, like you said, he's so dynamic in multiple areas. But if the offensive game plan only gears towards one part, that kind of takes one of the things away from him. And we see kind of that inconsistency. So that could be a part of it too. Yeah, it could be. I mean, he likes to tight end. Uh, he, he seems to complete most of his passes at a tight end. But when it comes to wide receivers, especially Brown, seems to be like they're off a little bit. So... I still feel like he's not the most accurate passer in the world, even though I hear the announcers constantly praising him for his throwing and how he's improved. But I still see the same Lamar Jackson when it comes yeah, to Yeah, I think he could be more more accurate on the deep ball, especially, because I think Marquise Brown's a pretty good deep ball tracker, and they haven't connected very well yet this year. So. No. All right, so three. Is there a moral victory for Goff and the Lions since they didn't get blown out by the Rams? This is a good one for you. What happened in the Rams? Lions game. It looked like the Lions might upset them for a while. They uh, were having trouble stopping the run. The Lions threw everything they could at them. I mean, they they executed what two fake punts. They executed an onside kick and yeah. every, and everything else, and they still came up. What was it? Nine points short. So I and what they from what I've seen, I was since I'm a Rams fan. I watched golf for X amount of years since he came into the league, and I'm sitting there watching the game with one of my buddies as we're sitting there watching this last drive as they're driving on the field. And I said. If this has anything, if I've seen this 10,000 times over, Goff will make a play where they won't win the game. And then three plays later, he throws an interception. He ends yeah. on Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. I said, that's typical Goff of what I've seen from X amount of years with the Rams, and that's one of the reasons why they got rid of him. I mean, you just can't count on him in big spots. I mean, don't get me wrong, he'll make plays just like he made plays in that game. That's why they were close. But when the time comes to crunch time and the pressure's in his face, and that's what happened. Aaron Donald got pressure in his face, threw the ball where it wasn't supposed to be, and it was behind and it was picked off. Yeah, Donald makes plays, I'll tell you. Yeah, Goff, I'm, I've never been huge on him, so I agree with all those things. Thanks for the analysis. Then four, do you guys think that the Cowboys are for real? Or is the other, or is this another mirage that sucks their fans in only to crush their hopes by playing incredibly poorly in the second half? So what do you expect from the Cowboys going forward? As not a Cowboys fan, I think the Cowboys are for real, number one, because their division is bad. They are way better and have more talent than anybody in their division right now. They should not lose to the Eagles, they should not lose to the Redskins, and they should not lose to the Giants at all. So those should be three more wins or four more wins or more division games they have. Right. And they're already sitting at 6-1, and so that puts them at 10 wins, which should at least give you the division there. So I think they definitely get in the playoffs. They're, more, they're talented enough to get in the playoffs, mm-hmm. and they have more talent than anybody in their division. So that is number one. Number two, with Dak Prescott and how he can do both things as far as passing and running game and with how dynamic 
Pollard and Elliott have been together since they've kind of split carries and keeping each other fresh. I think that'll be able to carry them and keep both healthy going into the end of the year, which will be a big plus for them. And their defense has played not great, but hasn't been bad. Like it's been the last two years, which has kind of held them back, even especially when Prescott wasn't there. Their defense has been, I would say, average, which is if you have a Dak Prescott and you have that dynamic offense, is good enough. That's a point I made a while ago. So as long as their defense is average, yes, they're they are contenders. That's what I feel too. Yeah, in a league where there is no dominant defense, uh, well, the Rams would be that. They would be the closest thing to a dominant defense. Uh, but um, like the Green Bay's, even San Francisco has looked very vulnerable mm-hmm. on defense lately. So and Arizona's but, defense wasn't bad last night, but their offense kind of didn't get in a rhythm because of what Green Bay did on offense. So In that aspect, Arizona's like Dallas, and yeah. their defense just has to be good enough because Arizona can produce a lot of offense, especially yes. with Kyler Murray. So, yeah, that's a pretty good analysis uh, for me as a Cowboy fan. I like that, how you look at that. And, um, you know, I think I will say this. It seems to me that Dak Prescott is playing much better right now than I've seen him play, even in his rookie season when he, you know, became a phenomenon uh, to main, me, he's making better decisions. He's, you know, uh, he's playing really well. The one thing that I'll say about Dak Prescott that I like, and, and I don't think he's playing as overall as be, as better than any than he has before. I think one of the things that's good for him is he's not taking as many hits. He's not running. He's he's getting down. He's getting out of bounds. He's not taking the unnecessary hits. He's yeah. not running sneaks up the middle. He's not rushing and trying to dodge guys. He's getting what he can, getting out of bounds, getting down. He's not taking unnecessary hits, which yeah, I think is point. what I think is great for him. It'll be great for his health, and it will be great for the Cowboys in the long run because he's going to be playing. Yeah, they're paying him a lot of money to play for a while. Yeah, all good points. Okay, number five on this email was, what is up with Rich's sister? Why won't she give your boy a chance? Thank you for your consideration. I look forward to hearing your comments and answers. It's signed, Devout Listener. Rich, I don't know anything about your sister, so I'm going to pass that one over to you. What is up with your sister, Rich? Why won't she give this guy a chance? <laughs> Rich I, is just shaking his head and looking I at me. I have no idea, okay? Yeah. It's Halloween. He looks pale white like a ghost. So so maybe you folks uh, that are listening to the podcast have kind of a clue of who might have sent this email. I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, but we appreciate the email. We always appreciate emails, so... Keep them coming, folks. All right. Now we're going to transition again. And this time, uh, by the way, I forgot to mention that we have a Facebook page. So, And I'm going to give you a chance in a minute, Brandon, to shout out your business. That sounds good. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so uh, we have a Facebook page, and it's just the name of the podcast. It's Sports Fellowship with Fox and Frank. Just wanted to let you know. Go on to Facebook. You can listen to the podcast there, and pretty much everything about the podcast is on the Facebook page, so check us out there. Now, tell us about Frick uh, Transfer. So, yeah, Frick Transfer, we do household moving. We do short, or we do local moving. We also do long-distance moving from here down to Florida, and as far, we also go out to the West Coast wherever you need to go. We also do heavy machinery moving, so we move any type of tanks or anything like that, any type of heavy machinery. We are able to take it in, take it out. And we also have a car repair shop. If you need any of those, you would want to call 610-252-2161 with an extension of 221 and ask for either Shelly or my brother David. Okay, great. Thank you for that. 
All right, so let's talk about week seven uh, in the NFL. I'm not going to do a song or anything, but we're going to talk about week seven, the week that was, and uh, I'll go through the games and we'll highlight certain ones and we can give our comments on them. How's that sound, Brandon? Sure, go ahead. Take us away. Great. Okay, so in week seven, we had uh, Green Bay over Washington, 24 to 10. I don't think that was a big surprise to anybody. We need to get in depth with that one. Um, Kansas City, though, Tennessee beats Kansas City 27 to 3. And we talked a little bit about the Chiefs, particularly in this game. Do you have a uh, feeling of, uh, you know? We kind of highlighted this a lot. I mean, the Titans kind of they controlled the clock. They were able to run with Derrick Henry. Their defense wasn't able to get off the field, and Mahomes was under pressure running around all day. So we kind of hit it. They kind of were doing that against the Bills and also against the Titans. So the Chiefs have some issues they need to figure out. What about Tennessee? I feel like they're a little Jekyll and Hyde. Like, you wonder what you're going to get on a given week from Tennessee. Tennessee runs with and goes up and down, kind of like how you were alluding to the Cowboys with Dak Prescott. They go with Derrick Henry. They're able to run the ball, and then all of a sudden Tannehill looks like a real good quarterback. It's kind of like what the Rams were with golf. They're able to run play action, able to get the ball down the field with off of Henry, then they look pretty good. If Henry's not having a good game or he's not producing, then the passing game's not as effective, especially with Julio Jones and A.J. Brown banged up. Then they're not very good. So it's kind of going to go whatever, however Derrick Henry's playing. Yeah, Tannehill, I feel, is more of a game manager type, as they say. And uh, I don't think he's going to win you a game. But I think definitely as Derrick Henry goes, so goes Tennessee. And so goes some people's fantasy teams. He's some player, though, I'll tell you. He really is. All right, so then Atlanta uh, pulls out a win over Miami, 30-28. to 28. They seem to be surging a little, but I wouldn't call them a big contender at the moment. Yeah, I just think that, that was a must-win for Matt Ryan and Atlanta. I, I mean, agree. for the Matt Ryan, what do we call regime, they needed to win that game. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Tua played pretty well in that game, just for um, interesting point, because they've been talking a lot about uh, going to get Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I'm surprised they gave up one on that early, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, well, I guess the, the idea of getting a star like just Deshaun Watson overshadows any um, what they think Tua might become. You know, I don't think they see him as a future Deshaun Watson. So you can get a star like that, you go get him, even though he's got his issues. Uh, upset happened uh, with the Giants pretty much crushing Carolina, 25 to three. Carolina, of course, missing uh, run DM run CMC. Christian McCaffrey, um, surprised that the Giants pulled off a big win like that? Or is Carolina just not that great? No, I think Carolina's more of a Jekyll and Hyde team. They're, they're not going to be very great without CMC. I mean, we saw what Sam Darnold was with the Jets when they didn't have a running game, and he wasn't very good, and we saw what Sam Darnold is with the Panthers when they didn't have a running That's game. That's what I was going to ask very you. Good. That's what I was going to ask you next. Sam Darnold looking so good the first three games. They were 3-0, and everybody all over him. But he did most of it with his legs. And, and uh, a lot, so good, like man. we said with just Tanner, a lot of with these game managers, I mean, that could be just what he is, and that's okay. But if you don't have a running game, it kind of puts a lot of pressure on him, and then it throws timing off, it throws momentum off, and throws any type of, I'm looking for, lost for a word here, of rhythm, I guess you want to call an offense. Sure. Just, it's just not there. Yeah. All right, so uh, Giants, I don't know, how, I don't expect them to give Kansas City much of a fight this week, but we'll see. Uh, Cincinnati. How about them? They blow out Baltimore. It was mentioned in the email. 41-17. to 17. Love me some Joe Burrow. Yes, Joe Burrow is very good. I think that he is not in the game manager category. He's in the category of he can throw the ball and chuck it around and come back. I like the way he's throwing the ball around. I mean, him and Jamar Chase seem to have 
a great relationship, even coming off from college into the NFL, it kind of just carried yeah. right over, which usually you don't see a lot, but Chase is for them a it did. Heck of a rookie year, and he, he, the one play in that game, he throws a five yard pass to to Chase, and uh, he does a couple of juke moves, and next thing you know, he's gone. Quite an athlete, Jamar Chase. He's looking like a, a top flight wide receiver in his first. Yeah, year. and the Bengals defense isn't bad. It's they they remind me of the AFC Cowboys. Hmm. defense is just good enough, good and enough. their offense is explosive. They can score for points. Yeah, I mean, Cincinnati, you think they can win that division? I think they have enough talent to. Will they? I don't know, but I think they have a shot. It'll be interesting. So uh, then Las Vegas, uh, the Raiders, with all their problems, you know, uh, well, I saw all their problems, but losing their coach, uh, who knows what's happening internally there with that. But they've been playing well, regardless of losing the coach, as they beat Philadelphia 33-22, and it really wasn't even that close. I yeah I, I just don't think the Eagles are that good. That's kind of what we said earlier. I think the Cowboys kind of run away with that division. I don't think Hertz is as good as many people thought he was going to be. They can't run the ball at all. They rarely even run the ball to begin with. So I just I yeah, I'm just good. I'm just think the Eagles are in trouble this year. Yeah, and I'm enjoying every minute of it as a Philly hater. Um, I wanted to mention uh, too. We talk about the picks and stuff. I lone wolfed Cincinnati and won that one. But then. I lone I got cocky in Lone Wolf Philadelphia, so that didn't work out too well. That's why it's Lone Wolf. Yeah. So um yeah, then Arizona blew out Houston thirty one five. There's not much to talk about there. Houston's a mess. Yeah, Houston's a mess. They haven't scored more than six points in two weeks and this week they get the Rams. Yep. And then the Buccaneers uh blew out Chicago, thirty eight three again. You know, pretty much a mismatch. Uh, no, nobody expected Chicago to give Tampa Bay much of a game there. Yeah, and to me, Chicago's offensive line is the NFC's version of the Chiefs' offensive line. And when you don't have Patrick Mahomes there and you have a rookie, it's going to be a mess. And that's kind of what happened last week. Gotcha. Uh, so then we got uh, Indianapolis, the Sunday night football game. Indianapolis played San Francisco. And I feel like uh, uh, we all picked San Francisco. And yet... Indianapolis pretty much handled them 30 to 18. And what do you think about Garoppolo? I'm going to ask you that. Uh, well, from what everybody's saying and reports coming out saying that he's soft and doesn't like to play in adverse conditions, and then they were kind of playing in a monsoon yeah. on Monday night, I mean, or Sunday night, I mean, that's that would kind of explain and kind of put back that as he threw two interceptions and turned the ball over a couple times. So, And the running game wasn't bad for San Francisco. I think they had. I think Mitchell ran for over 100 yards, and they had 150 on the ground, so mm-hmm. it wasn't like he didn't have running support. But he missed some open receivers, and he—I mean—they have a good wide receiver core there. So Jonathan uh, Taylor really had a game uh, for for Indianapolis. He's been dynamic uh, the last few weeks for Indianapolis. And I think San Francisco's defense isn't as good as it was. They lost Jason Barrett, and they had lo- they lost Buckner up front, they, who they traded to the Colts, nonetheless. But I think their defense isn't as dominant as they were before, so and they don't have Sherman anymore, so I think they're a little bit more vulnerable than what we've seen before, and their offense hasn't really improved since what it was when their defense was good. So We know Dan always accuses myself and Hookie as being lovers of Carson Wentz, which I think he's a good player. You know, Don't get me wrong. Do I think he's the next coming of great quarterbacks? Not necessarily. But I like the move for Indianapolis to get Wentz, and now he seems to be healthy, and he's been playing really well. So, you know, I see Indianapolis as a real threat as a playoff team here and possibly even upsetting somebody in the first round if they get there. Yeah, he's not a bad quarterback. Is he on my top five or top seven list? No. No. But, I mean, can he make plays off schedule? Absolutely. He can move around and make some plays. As long as he doesn't do do his craziness. Like, sometimes he just tries to force a ball in or whatever. If he can keep him in check, I think he's more than adequate, especially with a good running game and a pretty good defense. So. 
Then Monday Night Football um, uh, pitted New Orleans against Seattle. And unfortunately for Seattle, they had no Russell Wilson. A low-scoring defensive battle that New Orleans wins 13-10. to Yeah, and I kind of expect it to be a defensive battle. I mean, with kind of what... Jameis Winston's not really a backup, but he kind of is because you're coming off a breeze, so exactly. it's a downgrade. Yeah. And then Seattle, I, especially with the drop-off without Russ there, that kind of takes Tyler Lockett out because Tyler Lockett's a deep ball guy. And Russell Wilson throws one of the best deep balls, and obviously their backup is not going to throw no. a deep ball like he does. So he was kind of taken out. I think he only had two catches for 20 yards. So when you limit your playmakers, yeah, you're going to limit your offense, which is what happened there. We played a low-scoring game. New Orleans not having Tyson uh, Ty Hill didn't help them at all. No, because like he's versatile. He can do, he can play quarterback, running back. He can play special teams. He can play wherever. And they kind of deploy him in a bunch of different positions. So yeah. So an update on how we did. Um, all of us went eight and four last week, Brandon. Uh, so nobody shined last week as far as the picks, which means that season totals are the same except for more games. I'm sixty six and thirty four. Brandon, you're right behind me at sixty four and thirty six. Dan's bringing up the rear at fifty nine and forty one. Dan, get that rearing gear. <laughs> so now Lone Wolf. I was the only one who went Lone Wolf this week, and I went one and one as I mentioned. And for the season, I'm twelve and seven. I take a lot of chances, obviously. Brandon, you're five and two, good percentage, and Dan is four and seven. So those rare times that he went out on a limb cost him. Okay, so that's it for the NFL uh, week seven, and now we're going to transition to week eight in the NFL. And I'm not going to do the song. So um, it's a little more boring, you know. Dan makes things a little more interesting, but you know we're just going to stick to the uh, to the script. Week eight in the NFL this week, we got Carolina at Atlanta. I have Dan's picks here, by the way. So we have good. Carolina at Atlanta. Atlanta, a three-point favorite. I like Atlanta here. I think again they're the team that has to win more. I think they're they have more pressure on them, especially with the Matt Ryan saga. I think this is his year where he needs to kind of step up in order for him to stay as the franchise quarterback before they kind of move on, especially since they went out and got Kyle Pitts. And Kyle Pitts has been great for them, let's, not, let's be yeah, honest. He made a great play. Yeah, so I think, especially with them kind of being on, on a roll the last couple of weeks and Carolina not knowing and who, if McCaffrey's playing, if he's not playing, I, I didn't really get a chance to look in to see if he's yeah, going to or not. I'm wondering but, that myself. But if he's not, I definitely like. I'm definitely taking Atlanta in that game. So. Yeah, I picked Atlanta just thinking, you know, oh, there's such a much better team. But if McCaffrey comes back, and I'm not sure either, I might regret that pick. But uh, all three of us picked Atlanta. Next is Tennessee at Indianapolis. Indianapolis is a two and a half point favorite. I'm going to tell you off the top. Dan took Tennessee. I took Indy. In uh, that game, I am going to make you the lone wolf. I'm taking Tennessee. All right, that would make me the lone wolf. Oh, as Dan would say. Yeah. So I, I like Indy in this game, especially at home. Uh, and they have a solid defense. I could see them keeping Henry from having one of those big games and, uh, you know, Carson Wentz and the, the running back Taylor. I, I like Indianapolis in this game. Yeah, the only reason why I took Tennessee is because of Henry and Indianapolis has kind of a smaller front. So I think if Tennessee's offensive line is able to kind of push that smaller front, then Henry will have a decent game. That's so. an excellent point. Yeah, so we'll see. Uh, next we got uh, Buffalo, 14-point favorite at home against Miami, which uh, just I don't see a whole lot of uh, out of Miami despite to his good game last week. Yeah, Dan, Dan I mean, and I both took Buffalo. Yeah, I'm going to make it a, a clean sweep there and take Buffalo yeah, in that game too. Kind of a no-brainer there. Not much to talk about. We'll see. Um 
Next, we got Cincinnati. They're a 10.5-point favorite at the hapless New York Jets, Jets, Jets. And again, Dan and I both on Cincinnati. Yeah, I'm on Cincinnati, too. I don't even know who the Jets quarterback is this week. And I, Well, I know his name is Forget Mike Wright, it. but I don't know anything about him or yeah. where he went to school. Well, so No, wait a minute. They, <laughs> do, they did go out and get Jeff Flacco. So. Yeah, but they already announced that right starting this week, so I'm yeah. not going to take him this week. I just thought it was funny. I, I texted my, my nephew, who's a Jets fan, saying, you, the Jets are going to be fine. They got Joe Flacco. And he, he was, I won't tell you his response. <laughs> Next is Pittsburgh. Oh, this is a good game. Pittsburgh at Cleveland. Cleveland, a three-and-a-half-point favorite. And we know that um, Baker Mayfield has got a left arm injury, and yet he is going to play this week in spite of that injury, um, which could debilitate him a little. Of course, Pittsburgh has had their issues. Roethlisberger not looking like the old Roethlisberger. What do you think about this game? Uh, Dan and I are split. I took Pittsburgh. He took Cleveland. I'm going to make Dan the lone wolf here. I'm going to take Pittsburgh and the healthier quarterback. I just do not – I don't know what Baker Mayfield has. And, I mean, when you have a fractured shoulder and it was dislocated, I mean, I – you're you're one hit away from not not playing, so I don't, I just don't know how much I trust it or how smart it is to let him play. I mean, maybe he'll go out and have a great game, and I hope he does, and I hope he stays healthy. But if you get one big shot on that, and the Steelers like the blitz, and they have uh, T.J. Watt and all those other guys, you know they're going to send pressure and put some pressure on them. So I just don't know if I trust Baker in this spot. Yeah, that's why I took Pittsburgh. I feel like their defense is the reason I'm picking them, and I think that they can possibly run the ball well against Cleveland. Cleveland is touted to have a really good defense, but they've given up a lot on the ground. So it'll be interesting to see if they could stop that. Next we got Philadelphia. This is another one that I find interesting. Philadelphia is a three and a half point favorite in Detroit. What do you think, Brandon? Um I'm gonna take the Eagles here just because Detroit threw everything possible at the Rams last week and still came up almost double digit short. And you know they're probably not going to run the same things they did last week since they just showed it. So you know the Eagles are going to have it on tape, so they should be able to adjust as long as their coaches kind of go over that in the film, which I'd expect they would. Yeah. So I don't think you're going to see as many trick plays from Detroit to kind of give them an advantage or some extra possessions. So I think the kind of, I, and I think the Eagles kind of take this one here. Okay. Uh, Philadelphia. Uh, Dan also took Philly, and he said yuck in his picks. He hates to do it. Uh, I would agree, and. I didn't take Philly. I took Detroit to finally win a game this year. That makes me the lone wolf. You were supposed to do this. Oh! The lone wolf. Yeah, that's how we did it last week with Dan. But you, you know, you do it your way. Don't worry, Dan. I'm keeping it real for you. Yeah, I like Detroit in this game. I think they put it together. I, Philly is not a very good team. That's just how I'm going to put it. They're not that good, whether I like them or not. They are very inconsistent, and... Uh, I just don't see it. I think Detroit wins their first game at home. They are trying hard. I'll give them that. Their coach is a motivator, so I like Detroit to finally win a game. You're welcome, Geikamas. <laughs> so next we got uh, one that you'll, that's near and dear to your heart, Brandon. We got the L.A. Rams. They are a 16-point favorite. That's a huge line over the Houston Texans. Who do you yeah, like? I, I mean, the Rams have... More talent, more star power. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't. I'm just gonna take them here. I mean, I, I, I there's not really an explanation needed. If they lose, it's because they come out flat-footed. Right. Um, but yeah, there's no reason for me it's not. It's not to take a far them travel for them. It's not like they're going all the way to the East Coast. So yeah, I like uh, we we all like the Rams in this one. It's kind of a no-brainer, I think. 
Next, we got San Francisco is a four-point favorite, and we talked about their pitfalls in Chicago. I was tempted to take Chicago, but I took San Fran, and so did Dan. Yeah, I'm going to take San Fran here because I think this is a game that they have to win if they're going to have any chance of making the playoffs mm-hmm. or keeping up in this division because of how good it is. So if they don't win this game, they don't have a shot the rest of the year, so I think they're putting all their eggs in this basket, and they need to get a win. I'm counting on their defense to make it difficult for uh, Chicago's rookie quarterback, so I think San Fran wins this game. Next, we got New England at the L.A. Chargers. The Chargers are only a four-and-a-half-point favorite, which I found a little surprising because I feel like they're a much better team than New England. Uh, but uh, I may be wrong. So Dan and I both took the Chargers. Which means I'm going to go to Lone Wolf here and take Ooh. the Patriots. Ow! Okay, look at you. Give me I, like, your- I like the way Mac Jones is playing. I think they have a good game plan. I think Bill Belichick's calling the right place for him to kind of keep him protected and not make him vulnerable in any spots as a rookie. I think their defense is playing pretty well as for what they have on defense. I mean, they don't have Gilmore anymore or anything like that, but uh, they played pretty well, and they've held opponents low on as far as the yardage totals or in the better half of the defense as far as yardage goes. And the Chargers, I, they're, they're good, they're explosive, but they're also turnover-laden. So I think if the Pages can force a turnover to here, which Bill Belichick likes to do, yeah. I think they have a shot. Don't like New England going all the way across the country. We talk about that all the time. But I think that's a real thing. That's not just, you know, lore. That's a tough one for New England. I think the Chargers are a playoff contender. I don't know that New England is. So I got to stick with the Chargers. And so did Dan. Next, we got Jacksonville, who have a real chance here against a Seattle team uh, that's boasting a backup quarterback. Uh, Seattle's a favorite, minus three and a half. Dan and I both like Seattle. I'm going to take Seattle, too, and make it a sweep. I just think Seattle... Has better has better elite players than Jacksonville does, and I I think they should be able to control the line of scrimmage, especially on especially on the offensive and defensive side. There, I think they kind of control both sides, and I think they have enough talent to overtake even not having their best quarterback there. So, yeah, Trevor Lawrence really hasn't looked all that good so far. But no, their yeah. offensive line's bad, and he's kind of been running around for his life too. Sure. So, I I have a feeling though there'll be a little scoring in this game, so we'll see. Might be a shootout. Plus the six, the six, six, whatever they call it, the 12th man or whatever they call it, it can mm-hmm. take an effect there too. It can. Yeah, especially for rookie quarterback. And Jacksonville's going, like you said, across the country, so. Yeah. Yeah. That's a tough one for them. Next, we got Tampa Bay, four and a half point favorite in New Orleans. Dan's taking Tampa Bay. You're taking Tampa Bay. All right, so we got Dan and Brandon, Tampa Bay. That means I am. Oh! The Lone Wolf. I like New Orleans. I just feel like uh, Tampa Bay is due for one of those uh, uh, hiccups, and uh, they might fall asleep a little bit here against New Orleans, and I like New Orleans with the running game. The Tampa Bay's defense has not really been that stout this year so far, so I feel like this might be a game where Kamara has one of those four-touchdown games. So I'm going out on a limb and taking New Orleans. Yeah, and I think this is their statement game if the Saints are going to have one because it's going to be at home. It's with Tampa Bay. I just think Tampa Bay has more firepower and offense. I just don't trust Jameis Winston. That's in fair. A, in a close game, I'd rather have Tom Brady in a close game and Jameis Winston, so that's yeah. why I went with Tampa Bay. Yeah, that's that's my fear in picking the upset, but I just feel like uh, New Orleans is you know, primed to upset them. Gut feeling. Next, we got Washington at Denver. Denver is a three-point favorite, and Dan and I both like Denver. Who do you like? 
Uh, I'm going to like Denver here. I think Denver's kind of the more desperate team here. Washington doesn't look very good. Again, they're playing with Taylor Heineke. I think Denver's going to um, be able to come out and kind of take take hold here, especially in the mile high air. Washington's going across the country again as we have that whole scenario going on again. And plus, Denver's defense has played well the last couple of weeks. Their offense has put up a few points. Yeah. And I think they were able to hold Taylor Heineke, who's not, I would say, a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL, to a a minimum of points this week. Yep, agree to all points. Again, and that's another team, Washington, that their defense was supposed to be so stout, and they really haven't Yeah, they've been kind of average. Impressed. Yeah. Sunday Night Football pits the Dallas Cowboys against the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings are a three-point favorite. Dan and I both taking Dallas. To me, this was a top-up, the toss-up. I'm going to take Minnesota just because they're the more... Ow! Because I think they're the more team that's going to be desperate in this game. And and their Dallas also came out and said they're not sure if they're going to play Dak Prescott. Mm-hmm. They said they'd rather rest him one week than have it linger for three or four. So if he doesn't play, then I like the Minnesota pick even more. So I'm going to kind of go out on a limb here and say that Minnesota needs this game more than Dallas does. And if Dallas doesn't play Prescott, I think Minnesota has a great yeah, chance to win. I, I honestly don't think it's a big, a big leap, Brandon. I am concerned as a Cowboys fan about this one. I think Minnesota will move the ball well against them. I'm banking on Dallas scoring more than them, and that means Dak Prescott has to play. So I'm worried about the pick, uh, just from the standpoint of being a Cowboy fan. So I don't know that... I mean, they are a favorite, Minnesota, so I don't know if it's going out on a limb. But uh, And I also think Dallas has the right to rest Dak this week. I mean, why play? I mean, your division's bad. I suppose. I mean, you're not really going to lose much ground. I mean, both all everybody else is under 500. They don't look great. It's a good. Way Plus, to look you play at everybody it. else. Why risk letting them get hurt? And then you have to deal with it for four or five weeks where you're limited on yeah, what you can call really an good, offense. Really good point. I don't know what they're going to do. I think they're just going to let him practice, and if he's, you know, that's what they have done. And if he doesn't have any issues, they'll just let him play. Mm-hmm. That's my assumption. But uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if I wouldn't be surprised if he does. I mean, they have an all, they have a right to not do that and not have to worry about it. I hear you. Yeah, it'll be interesting, and I, I don't. I think without him, they can't win this game. Next, we got Monday Night Football. It's an interesting uh, Monday Night Football because the Giants take on Kansas City. Kansas City is a nine and a half point favorite. And Dan and I both pick Kansas City. I am picking Kansas City big in this one. Yeah, me too. I mean, if Kansas City loses this game, they might as well start selling some guys at the trade the trade deadline before Thursday of the of this week. So if they don't win this game, they're in deep trouble. Yeah, uh, it, to me it's a no-brainer. The Giants with all the injuries and everything else, I can't see them pulling this one out. The only thing I could see is maybe they could keep up with them offensively. Possibly. Or if the turnover machine keeps happening for Kansas City, sure. then it could be an issue. Yeah, okay. So that's week eight. Those are our picks, and we'll see how we do. Now, before we finish, I just want to go ahead and talk about our church. Uh, we attend, uh, well, you know, Rich and I and Dan attend First Baptist Church in uh, Phillipsburg, New Jersey. We're at 810 Red School Lane. Uh, it's really in Lopakong, but close enough. And uh, we meet on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. We just want to let you know we're there. If you want to check us out, um, you'd be welcome there. We are meeting in person uh, these days. So uh, 10 o'clock is the service, as I said. We want to let you know that if you want to find out more about our church, you can go to www.fbcpberg.org, www.fbcpberg.org. We're looking to make more and better followers of Jesus. That's what we're there for. So 
Um, Rich has really been in his own world tonight. I'm looking over at him. He's just like somewhere else tonight. He's enjoying himself. Yeah. By the way, the church is a great place. I took my two um, kids, my son and my daughter there last week for the trunk retreat, and everybody's a real was a real pleasure to be around. Yeah, it was good to see you guys there, too. Uh, trunk retreat's a lot of fun. We have a lot of outreaches. If you go to this uh, website, you will see it there. As Dan always mentions, you go to the site, and there is a form there that you could fill out um, asking for prayer. Uh, it's anonymous if you want it to be, and uh, we just want people to know that they're welcome there and that there's a God who loves them. So check out our church, go to the website, and see all about what we're, we're, we're about, and we would love to see you there. So without further ado, may the love of Christ fill your heart. And in the words of Dan Fox, peace! Baseball, tennis, basketball, even sports exotic. Oh, you geek guys in soccer, and if it's a sport, they've got it. Yeah, they have weird conversations about anything they think. Oh, they have so much in common, it's like their brains are in sync. We got Fox with the jokes, we got Frank with the knowledge. Oh, they care about all ages. They talk about pro league college. Is they have that high quality content talking about the teams with their big boy shoes and their big boy dreams on. Yeah, you know who it is. Sports Fellowship. Number one. Follow Fox and Frank now.